We're looking at the book of Hebrews, chapter 2. And uh, we're going to start reading at verse 1. You may stand with me if you wish to uh, for reading of the word this morning. The message title is, Give Full Attention to the Most Important. Therefore, we ought to give the mourners heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by him, by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels, Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Bow your heads for prayer. Lord, thank you for the word this morning. Uh, we thank you, dear Lord, for the inspiration that comes to us from the word of God. I pray, dear Lord, the Holy Spirit will have his right away in the service this morning. We all need that special touch from God that will give us strength to follow you that if we're off course, will help us to correct and get back on course, that will strengthen our determination and will help us, dear Lord, to fulfill what you have for us to do in this life. We ask, dear Lord, for especially the presence of the Holy Spirit with us in this service. And Lord, we pray that all things that should be said will be said, those things left unsaid that would be better to be unsaid dear lord that you'll give direction and for this we give you thanks in jesus name amen you may be seated for the message and so as we read the book of hebrews we read a book uh, that is telling the jewish people uh, how the thing that Jesus wrought is better. It is, it is better in so many aspects, and that certainly could be a message all in itself on all the different themes that are covered in the book of Hebrews, where it tells us that our Christian experience uh, far supersedes is far superior to what the Jews had, to what the Hebrews in the Old Testament had and what they experienced. Uh, but as we come here, 
to the second chapter. Uh, chapter 1 has established uh, the divinity of Christ and uh, has told us that uh, he, is, he is over the angels, he's better than the angels, uh, and that uh, we, are, we have one that is uh, so superior in every way. So when we come to chapter 2, he starts off with the word, and of course, uh, therefore, you know what that is. There was something before that the writer wants us to look back at uh, as a foundation for what he is continuing to say. We do not know who wrote the book of Hebrews. We know the Holy Spirit did through somebody. Uh, my Bible says the epistle of Paul, the apostle to the Hebrews. But that's really not uh, uh, anything that has been verified. Uh, so whoever the writer was had great knowledge about what went on with the Hebrews and their worship and so forth. Some have suggested that it could be Apollos. Uh, some have named other names that maybe are not as prominent in our thinking. We know that uh, Apollos is spoken of as being a man that was eloquent. Uh, Hebrews is definitely a book of eloquence as you read this in the beautiful language that is, that is uh, used to portray the message. So uh, the Hebrew writer says, uh, in view of the things that I've already said, uh, that we have a far superior uh, relationship to God because of Jesus Christ, because of what Jesus did and his coming. Then he says, uh, because of that, uh, the old King James says we ought to give the more earnest heed. Uh, it is in the NIV that it says we must pay more careful attention. We must pay more careful attention. So uh, we, are, we are told that we need to do this, pay this more careful attention, or uh, give full attention to the most important because uh, there is a chance that the things which we have heard could slip from our grip, lest at any time we should let them slip, or that uh, we could, in nautical terms, in the terms of, and that may be referring to this kind of language here, uh, we should drift away. We should drift away from the things which we have learned, the things that we have been told. Uh, when, uh, when you're on boat, and I've been on, I've been on big ships, I've been, of course, on my smaller boat. One thing you want to do when you're not wanting the boat to leave without you, when you're on the dock, is make sure it's tied up good. 
uh, and it's amazing. I love to see those great big ropes. Remember the size of those ropes that they used to secure that 38-footer we were on, Tom? Uh, they were pretty big, but you get into the bigger, even bigger stuff, uh, they may use something other than rope to make sure that that ship stays where they want it to say, stay. They do not want it to drift away from the dock. I think I told you the story. I know I told you the story. You know, Tim Butler had never been on a boat before, and I took him on my boat. Now, you're thinking this was back when he was probably in his late 60s or 70. Uh, he had never been on a boat in his life, and he went on my boat. Uh, a couple times, I think he thought he was going to go to heaven from my boat. Uh, but but uh, we were... We wanted to go uh, late season fishing. They had, they had pulled the docks uh, that usually I would launch from, and so we had to go to the other side of, of uh, Sandusky Bay, and, and we were going to go out from there. And so uh, my boat at that time was a different boat. It wasn't always uh, very cooperative as far as starting. So, uh, Tim, we, we got the boat launched. Uh, I got the trailer and the car out of the way, and Tim's, Tim's in the boat now. We got Tim in the boat. That was, that was a priority, get Tim in the boat. Uh, got Tim in the boat, but Tim didn't know anything about what to do in the boat. It was just get in the boat and sit down or do what you're told. Uh, so, Tim was in the boat, and I, I uh, loosed the boat, and uh, uh, the boat started, started drifting away. There was current, started pushing us out uh, from the dock, and I'm trying to start the boat, but it didn't cooperate. It did not want to start, uh, and so uh, all the time, I'm drifting further and further away. <laughs> Uh, finally, I had presence of mind enough to think, grab the anchor, <laughs> throw the anchor, stop this thing from where it's going. Uh, we had to go back to the dock for something, and so uh, I was able to pull us back to the dock with the anchor, throwing the anchor, pulling the boat, get it up where the anchor was, and then throw the anchor again, and pull the boat till we got back up. I don't remember what it was I needed out of the car, maybe something so the boat would start or whatever, but uh, the end of the story was we didn't catch any fish. So if you're wondering what we did with all the fish, we didn't catch any fish, but we had, we had an adventure. Uh, and so uh, drifting, drifting away uh, can produce a lot of inconvenience, can produce a lot of hazards if you're drifting in the wrong place and you're drifting out into uh, perilous waters. And so uh, we are told to give careful attention. Uh, I guess today we would think, when we think about the, the accidents that happen on the highway when we're thinking about automobiles, 
for thinking about people that do not give full attention to their driving. Uh, they're, they're just kind of uh, at the wheel and uh, they're distracted. Uh, people have reached down because they wanted to get a, a special uh, CD or some piece of music, uh, thumb drive or whatever. They take their attention off for a little bit. Suddenly, uh, they're in the ditch. And, and you, if you read the police reports, you wonder, you know, how did, how did they go down there? How did that car go down the incline? And how did that, how did that car turn over the way it did? Uh, and we know there's tragic stories about people that have been using their electronic devices and go into the wrong lane of traffic. And all of us are pretty aware and cautious when we're driving uh, where we're watching that car to see if that driver is keeping that car in their lane and keeping it going the direction it's supposed to go instead of coming at us. And uh, so uh, we know that it happens just in a moment that you're in the other lane, you're head on with somebody or into the back of a truck or any number of things like that. So we know about paying full attention to the most important. That is what the Hebrew writer is talking about here. Uh, he says we need to give full attention because we have received the word of God and we need to give full attention to that in our lives. Uh, it amazes me some of the things that people know and things that I consider just plain non-essential uh, that they know, and I'm not saying this is bad, but it's not my cup of tea. Uh, in fact, I don't drink tea at all. I don't like tea. So, uh, you know that they can tell all the players and their stats. Uh, they know all the history of the game. Uh, they know the coaches and all that. Uh, they, or it might be race car drivers and where they're placing in the, in the, uh, in the winning column and so forth, how far up they are to be the champion. Uh, just amazes me that they can remember all that stuff. Uh, but there's a lot of things that are just plain trivia. It just doesn't matter. It may matter if you're talking to somebody that's interested in it, but it's not life-changing. And uh, I know some people are up and down, depend on whether their team is winning, their team is losing. Uh, you know, that, that's fine uh, if you're involved that way, but there's other things that are more important and have more bearing on our lives. And that's what this Hebrew writer is saying. <coughs> that we need to look at the most important things and focus on them. As I thought about 9-11 yesterday, and now here we are 
at 9, 12, 20 years later, and I thought about how far we have drifted as a nation from things that we held as important and precious, and we seem to have a sense of where our help came from, that we needed to rely upon Almighty God, and we need to trust in His strength, uh, that uh, there was, there was a, a wave, even if it was only for a month, if it was that long, of people that thought, you know, we need to seek the Lord. We need to be in church. Uh, we, need to, we need to pay attention to what the Bible says. Uh, you don't see that today as much. Folks, today there are a lot of funeral services that are just gatherings. They're just gatherings. It used to be a time when people heard the word of God. You thought about things beyond this life. You thought about, you know, where, where a person was going to spend eternity. Uh, but now today it's more secular secularized. It's more just getting together with friends. And it's more about uh, just saying, well, you know, they had a good life. Uh, they, they had a good run. They had, they had a lot of toys or they made a lot of trips, or this or that. Uh, not much thought about the eternal, not much thought about what really counts and about what's going to last, what's really going to endure. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, preachers have gotten themselves in trouble uh, in saying things that uh, maybe were not agreeable to people. Uh, I certainly have have tread on some toes. I was thinking this last week about assignment I had for a funeral. I was a mechanic and preaching uh, at the church in Delaware, and I was asked to do the funeral service of my service manager's father. Uh, he was not a religious man. He was a very profane man. Uh, but I was asked to do his funeral service, and uh, his, his son was there, and I did the service, and I know it didn't suit him. <laughs> I, you know, it's just nice if you can suit everybody, but I do not tailor my message to suit people. I am called of God. It is not what somebody is going to pay me to say about somebody. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell what the gospel says, that we need to be born again, that we need to find Jesus as our personal Savior. Uh, Stan Toller and, and uh, Reverend Tom Hermes put out a book together. I, uh, there was a little thing in that uh, about two brothers who were stalwarts in attendance at a local church, <clears throat> but were hypocrites who lived a wicked life on the wealth they inherited from their grandfather. A new pastor was called to their church. Didn't take long for him to learn about the brother's hypocritical lifestyle. Soon one of the brothers died and the preacher was asked to conduct the funeral. 
just before the funeral, their surviving brother pulled the pastor aside and told him he didn't want anything bad said about his brother during the service. <coughs> In fact, the brother advised, if you tell these folks that my brother was a saint, I'll write you a check big enough to pay off the mortgage on the church. The preacher wrestled with the assignment, but a few minutes later made his way to the front of the funeral chapel and started the service. We are gathered together here today in loving memory of one of the most wicked men in this community. But next to his brother, I'm sure we can all agree our departed friend was a saint. So, so, so he got the $1,000, I guess, to, or the money to pay off the mortgage, however much he was needed. Uh, so, uh, but there's ways, you know, you don't want to step on any toes. Um, I look at a, when I'm called to do a funeral service, and I used to be called to do a lot of funeral services that people I did not know. When I was at Delaware, I was called, I, I was doing a couple of funerals a week, a lot of times, people I did not know. And then somebody would hear me do one funeral service, somebody would pass, and they'd say, well, we'd like, like to have him come. Uh, I wasn't obnoxious, but I just tried to, give the hope of heaven and preach to people that were alive that we need to seek the Lord while he can be found and call on him when he is near. So things that are most important, we need to focus our attention on those things. And we're all going somewhere when this life is over. And I know it's maybe not the a uh, nicest story to tell, but it's a story about the atheist that died and he was in the casket. He wasn't cremated, and, and that's another thing. You know, a lot of people are cremated. The body's gone. People just have a gathering and go eat, and that's it. Uh, well, he, was, he was laid out in the casket, and, and uh, the comment was made, all dressed up and nowhere to go uh, because he didn't believe in heaven. He didn't believe in God. Uh, but he was all dressed up. He was in the box, and they were going to put him down, all dressed up. And, but we are going somewhere, aren't we, folks? We're all going somewhere. The Bible tells us we're all going somewhere when this life is over. And so when I hear people say things like, oh, they suffered so bad, they'll be better off. Is that true? If they don't know Jesus, is that really true? And if it's not true, and I hear some church people say that, people that have been raised in Christian homes and things, it doesn't mean that they're living right. It doesn't mean that they're still going to church, but they've heard this, but they're, they're hoodwinked. You know what I mean? They are, you know, the devil just kind of, you know, make it nice. Make it nice. Be nice. Um, you don't want to think about, you know, that they didn't leave a Christian testimony. And I know that everybody doesn't leave a Christian testimony. There are going to be people that go to heaven that we weren't told. But there's some things, folks, that we need to pay attention to and say, this is important. You know, while you're, while you're terminally ill and, you know, I think of Jimmy Phipps. 
uh, and Jimmy, Jimmy suffered, and Jimmy went through quite a few things. And uh, remember how when he was here in service, uh, he was going to be baptized, and uh, and the family was very concerned about uh, Jimmy Phipps getting baptized, making a profession for Jesus. He had done this before. I'd prayed with him in the rest home, and he had received Christ. So it wasn't just a last-moment thing, and I don't want to put it on that way, but everybody, they wanted to make sure everything was up-to-date, up-to-date, everything was okay. And so uh, we prayed with Jimmy around the altar before he was baptized that day. Uh, but I'm glad the family was concerned. I'm glad that they wanted to make sure that everything, the slate was clean, that he had, he had a assurance that he was headed for heaven. Well, we never know when the call's going to come for us to leave this world. But aren't you glad? Uh, the, the Bible talks here, and I could spend quite a bit of time on any one of these things. Uh, it says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, so it's talking about the ministry of Christ uh, and his disciples carrying the message. We have all the assurance today, folks, that the gospel is true, that what the Bible says about Jesus is fact, that Jesus did come from the Father into this world, that he was the God-man, that he did things that nobody else could do. And we are told in the scripture that every one of us are sinners. We cannot go to heaven the way we are. Then we cannot save ourselves. And that it is not just a matter of believing something. That Jesus is the only way. That we have to put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior. And we have to believe some things about Jesus. We have to believe that Jesus died, that he rose again. We have to believe who he is, that he is God's divine son, and that he did this death and resurrection, and that he's alive today, and he can hear our prayers, and he can forgive our sins. So it says, let's don't neglect this. Let's don't, let's don't let the world uh, some way or another fool us into thinking, oh, it's all okay. You know, as long as we have hospice, as long as people are not in pain when they leave this world, folks, it's better, it's better to be awake and aware if you need to pray than being asleep and sleeping your way out of this world if you're unprepared to meet God. You need some time to cry out to the Lord and ask for his help and his forgiveness. And it's not just a matter of being comfortable and being out of pain. It is reaching out to Jesus as a Savior and saying, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I want you in my life. Lord, I turn from sin. I turn to you, and I want to be your child. And the scripture tells us that if we believe him, 
that we can be part of the family of God. And so uh, scripture says here that the Holy Ghost caused these miracles to be done. We know that that is true. And we read much about that in the book of Acts. Uh, so then it goes on to say um, that the world to come, we're talking about heaven, the millennial reign, the future. Um, why does God care about us? There isn't a reason why he has to, but God is love, isn't he? God does care for us. And folks, I think you know if somebody's reaching out, if somebody is in, is in need of prayer, that this preacher, that preacher, other Christians in this church are willing to try to reach out to them and help them so that they can have peace and assurance with God. Um, we, we don't have any special power, but we want everybody that is seeking and everybody that is reaching to be able to have that assurance that Jesus has forgiven them, that if they confess their sins, he is faithful. He never turns one away if they come to him, and he will forgive their sin. He will assure them that they are his child. And so uh, when, we, when we think about uh, people coming down to death's door and Will God save them? It's not the best time to be saved, but I say go for it. If you're not saved, I'd say yes, that's time. Um, and you know that wreck, that bad wreck that took place and I was there right after it happened before the squad got there, uh, up coming out of Prospect. Uh, it was in Allison School District she knew the family. Uh, some of the kids were in her, in her school. That bus T-boned that car. The car ran that stop sign. That bus T-boned that car. And, you know, I, would have, I was praying for him, but he was already gone. There was, there, was no, there was no life. There was no hope. He was gone. We just don't know what the future holds. But uh, the scripture says that God cares for us. What is man that you're mindful of him? God is love. God loves his creation. And this psalm that is being quoted here, the Hebrew writer doesn't tell us. But you can look back in your Bible to Psalm 8, and you find these words. Uh, and... Uh, it says here that you made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor. Set him over the works of your hands. Remember what God said to man. Uh, he wanted the earth to be subdued. He gave man the authority to do that. And think of the mind that Adam had that he was able to name all the animals. Uh, how, would, how would that overwhelm you if you weren't fresh from the creator's hand to name a, an anteater, an elephant, <laughs> uh, a, a chimpanzee, uh, uh, all, these, all these animals, a zebra, 
the rhinoceros and so forth. Adam named them all. So he had powers beyond what we can imagine today. God said, I've made you and I've put you in control. But look what this scripture says in verse 8. You put all things in subjection under his feet. Man was above it all. But then it goes on to say, For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But look at this word. This is a bad word right here. This is a three-letter bad word. B-U-T. There's an exception. But now we see not yet all things put under him. God put it all under him. Man was on the top. But now we see not yet all things put under him. What's he talking about? He's talking about when sin entered. He's talking about when Satan had his way. Man was no longer on top. Man became a slave, didn't he? Man became a servant. Man became subject to a lot of bad things, which we are still subject to today even those of us that have been redeemed by the blood of Christ because we haven't come into the new dispensation where sin has been banned and where Christ is on the throne of this world. And so we see that, yes, Adam had been in charge, but then he lost it. He lost it. And we're going to find out when we read on down here it says, but we see Jesus. But we see Jesus. Praise God for that. But, we're not on top of everything, but, second but is a good word, isn't it? Jesus makes the difference. Jesus makes the difference. If it weren't for Jesus, then we'd be all washed up and condemned and without hope. But we see Jesus. He makes the difference. He comes into the arena as our champion. He comes into the arena as our Savior. And Adam let us down, but Jesus won the battle. And we see the different encounters that he had with Satan, and he won. <coughs> Jesus also was made a little lower than the angels. He had to be made a human being like us, or he couldn't have died. So he took a human body so he could die. And we see him going through the suffering of death. He wouldn't even take a narcotic, would he, when they tried to give him the vinegar mixed with gall, which would have dulled his pain. He refused it. He wouldn't take that because he needed to suffer. He needed to feel your pain and my pain. But now he won that victory and he's crowned with glory and honor. And he, by the grace of God, has tasted death for every person. We don't have to eternally die because Jesus died in our place and we have salvation through him. So what is it that is not put under man's feet? 
Death isn't, is it? We can't conquer death. Look at all the stuff we go through. <coughs> In order to keep these bodies going, uh, think of the joint replacements. That's big industry. Uh, hips and knees and, and uh, neck pieces and uh, shoulders, uh, all those things. Uh, yes, but we haven't defeated death. Uh, they've talked about, you know, can you cut somebody's head off, put another head on them. <laughs> I can't even hardly think of that. Uh, you know, but anyway, we haven't defeated death. Death still has the last word, doesn't it? The Bible says the last enemy that's going to be destroyed is death. Yes, death, we can say when somebody is suffering, we don't have to see them suffer anymore. But we want to make sure they're going to heaven, where they're going to go to a place a peace and bliss and rest. We don't want to see them go out of this world unprepared to meet God and be lost throughout the endless time or the endless ages of eternity, as it's said, for eternity is timeless. So now we see the thing that's not put under his feet. One of those things is death and the power of Satan, but thanks be to God, Jesus has defeated that enemy, and Satan's going to be chained, he's going to be incarcerated, God's people are going to have the ultimate victory, Play, praise his name forever. So back to this, back to the title, the message, we need to give full attention to the most important. We need to give full attention to the most important. And I wonder, with all the assaults that the enemy makes on us, trying to weaken our faith, trying to pull us away from spiritual things, trying to water down the gospel to where it just comes a universal thing. Oh, Jesus died for everybody. Everybody's going to heaven. No, they're not. No, they're not. Some people are going to go to hell, folks. Some people are going to be banished from the presence of God. <clears throat> I read this illustration back in 1958. A small community in northeastern Pennsylvania built a little red brick building that was to be their police department, their fire department, and their city hall. They were proud of that building. It was a result of sacrificial giving, careful planning. When the building was completed, they had a ribbon cutting, there were 6,000 people there, more than 6,000, which was almost the whole community. Well, after that great celebration, within less than two months, they began to notice ominous cracks in the side of the red brick building. You know, that's not good, folks. Sometime later, it was noticed that the windows would not shut it all the way. Then it was discovered the doors wouldn't close correctly. Eventually, the floor shifted and left ugly gaps in the floor covering, the corner, covering and corners. The roof began to leak. Within a few mere months, it had to be evacuated. And to the embarrassment of the builder and the disgust of the taxpayers, it had a sign hung on the door that it was condemned. 
It was not fit to be in. It was not safe. What had happened to this wonderful building <laughs> that was such a celebration and was so costly to the community? They said that there was a firm that did a investigation. They said that uh, there were found that there were blasts from nearby mining area were slowly but effectively destroying the building. These were blasts from a distance in the mining area. And perceptibly, down beneath the foundation, there were small shifts and changes taking place that caused the whole foundation to crack. <clears throat> you couldn't feel it at first or even see it at first, but quietly down deep, there was weakening <laughs> until it destroyed the building. We got to be careful, folks, because the culture is coming at us. You can't watch even some of the, what we would call, very unoffensive television programs without they put in a cultural barb to say, you've got to accept this. This is common. This, this is the way everybody is. And you've got to go with it. And, and, and you've, got to, you've got to drink that booze. You've got to drink that booze because everybody's doing it. If you want to get along with everybody, you know, tip a glass. Don't, don't be so stiff. Don't be so starchy. Let up a little bit because you don't know what it is to really live. Until, you know what I say about booze, there's a devil in every bottle. He may not get you the first drink, but he's going to get you. He's going to get you. He's there to get you. And many people are really enemies that can drink with some control because then others think they can drink. And they're the ones that get hooked. And they get hooked bad. And they find out they can't live without alcohol. They can't live without a shot of dope or a snort or whatever they're doing. Well, you know what I'm talking about. We have to stay in tune with the most important. We have to keep our attention focused. Folks, even if people around us don't like it, if they don't understand it, we got to be the ones that know the way to get to Jesus, and we have to encourage them to do it. Will you stand with me this morning? <clears throat> ask you to bow your heads. If you have a need, the altar's open. If you haven't been born again, if you haven't been saved, you're on your way to hell. That's exactly what the Bible says. All have sinned. No salvation or no other except Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean you have to go through this church, but it means you have to go through Jesus. And we're here to help you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Are you a Christian this morning? If you drop dead before you got out of the building this morning, do you know that you would go to heaven? If you don't have that assurance, that's what I'm talking about this morning. You can have that assurance that Jesus has forgiven your sins. With heads bowed, just waiting for a moment, if you need to pray, or perhaps you've strayed from the course that you know God has for you to walk, 
the way of the cross that leads home. The altar's open for you, and we'd be glad to pray with you. Lord, all those blasts that were taking a toll until finally the foundation was ruined. Help us, dear Lord, not to crumble from the blasts of society, but help us, dear Lord, to stay focused, to stay in contact, to stay true to the Lord. Lord, as we wait for a moment this morning, wonder if anybody'd like to raise their hand, say pray for me. I see that hand, he put him down. I see that. I see those hands. Anybody else that'd like to raise a hand, say pray for me. I need to be saved or I need spiritual help, whatever. The Lord knows. Lord, we come at the close of this service this morning. Thank you for those that have raised a hand. Lord, I pray that you'll help them to persevere, to move ahead, to go forward, to look for what God would have them do to bring their life into conformity or to strengthen the ties that bind them to the Savior. I pray, dear Lord, that You'll have your hand upon them. I pray, dear Lord, for your peace and joy and your goodness to them as they seek you, as they seek a closer walk. Lord, have your hand, we pray, upon us as we leave this place. Help us, dear Lord, to be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. Help us to encourage others to find Christ. We ask all these favors in Jesus' precious name. Amen.